Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rulo, and today I have the joy of sharing a recent Firebird Book Award winning author with you. She is Deborah Wynn, and her winning book is titled The Original Wife. Deb began writing as a young girl, and Opening Act, Promises in Pirouettes Book One, was her debut novel. Opening Act was a winner of the Firebird Award for Contemporary Fiction and also a winner of the Firebird Award for New Fiction. Since releasing her debut, she has also published Intermission, Pirouettes and Promises Book Two, and our winner today, The Original Wife. The Original Wife was a winner of the Firebird Award in four categories, Contemporary Novel, Crime Fiction, Romantic Suspense, and Women's Issues. A University of Colorado alum, she was dragged kicking and silently screaming into the business world of nondescript pantsuits and surly expressions. After two different careers in municipal government, she made the switch to consulting in the private sector. Deb exists mostly on coffee, endless loops of Neil Diamond tracks, and fawning over other people's pets. Her writing marathons allow her to live vicariously through her characters and stories which bear no recognizable similarity to her real life, so don't ask. Deb lives in Colorado and has two grown daughters and five grandchildren, and I am so happy to talk to this returning Firebird Book Award winner. Welcome back, Deb. Thank you so much, Pat, for having me. It's always a pleasure. It is always a pleasure. I was looking forward to this like an old friend. Not that you're old. (laughs) I know. Well, I am, but that's good, too. (laughs) Me, too. All right. Well, we'll stick with that. (laughs) Listen, Deb, congratulations once again on the book win. Thank you so much. It was uh, it, it it was just such an honor, and I really am proud of this book. I've said all along this may not be my best book, but in my heart, I really feel like it's probably going to be the most important book I've ever written. So um, I it really felt good to have it validated, and that I knew that other people had enjoyed it. Why do you say that it might be your most important book? Well, because I think there's so many women and men, but I think there's so many women that are walking around as sort of walking wounded. And even though the depravity that I portray in this book from um, my main character's ex-husband is pretty serious, um, trauma is trauma. And I think that there's a lot of people that don't realize that somebody they may be sitting right next next to or live next door or they see at the grocery store every time um, may be struggling with PTSD and um, a, a whole arsenal of of damage left over from from trauma and I I really enjoyed writing this book just because. I think it's a problem that needs to be talked about and not behind um, cupped hands with a whisper. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get into that. Thank you for sharing that. You like to feature strong women in all of your books. Yes, I do. Because I believe there's a strong woman in every woman. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that woman may not know that yet, but there is. Absolutely. Did that stem from somewhere? What, why is that a focus of yours? Well, it's, it's probably a focus of mine just mainly from my, probably from my generation, you know, growing up with um, Gloria Steinem and, and burning bras and 
speaking out in the workforce for equal rights. And so part of that may be generational, but this book actually was stemmed from a very real experience I had gunned down in her driveway um, by her soon-to-be ex-husband. And during the the trial afterwards of her ex, um, there was a lot of abuse that came out in that, um, where it was very obvious that um, there'd been a great deal of abuse in the the relationship and the marriage for years and years and years. And that just kind of broke my heart. Mm. Oh, wow. Definitely had to write about that. even though this is not her story, sure. and, and none of, any, there's not one thing in this that is anything that I think she went through. Um, in principle, it was kind of um, a book to honor the fact that she had become a strong woman, and she had risen up and gotten out of the relationship and was trying to move on with her life. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that's the only similarity to her of anything in this book. All right. Thank you. Why don't you go ahead then and give us a look, give us a peek, kind of tell us a bit about the book so okay. we can entice our listeners. All righty. Well, it's a, the original Wife is a domestic thriller, and it follows the journey of a warrior of a woman, Lainey Spencer, and she has left a 20-year abusive marriage to start a new life. And after her ex's death, she gets caught up in his shady past, which brings back painful memories of her trauma, as well as making her acutely aware of all of her shortcomings. And if you toss in kind of a bevy of other ex-wives and baby mamas and a twist of fate and a brand new love interest, the book takes on quite a few layers. Threaded throughout the story are themes of recovery and healing after trauma, But if you take away all the lurid and gut-wrenching and disturbing swath of destruction that's left by her ex's death, at the heart, you still have a love story. Mm -hmm. And in some respects, it's a double love story because Lainey must learn to love herself before she can accept the love and affection from someone who loves her deeply. So after he pass, her ex passes away, she finds out all of this about him. She didn't know yeah. this prior to that. That's that's just fascinating. Yeah. And, and the interesting little tidbit with that is when I was writing this, um, it was amazing, certainly not to the extent that I talk about, but it was amazing to me um, how many people I knew or knew of somebody whose um, ex-husband or current husband had died, and after his death, an entire other world opened up that that spouse or ex-spouse had never known about. Um, Again, not the depraved stuff, but still a whole other world. And that just fascinates me that you can live with somebody for 20 years or 30 years or 40 years and still might not know what that person really is. Yeah, that's what captivated me. Even before I picked up the book to actually read it, when I just read the jacket, I thought, ooh, wow, this is quite a premise. And apparently it's more common than than we would think. Mm -hmm. So that to me was fascinating. Absolutely. 
Now, writing about domestic abuse, you know, living in an abusive situation, how was that to write? Um, where did you pull that from? I know you said, obviously, people that you have known, but was it difficult mm-hmm. to write that? Um, it was, there were parts that were very, very difficult to write. And I pulled all of the different examples from some people maybe that I've known, and then, of course, I had to fictionalize them all, but they might have had, you know, a grain or two of truth within that incident or that type of abuse. Um, but I also took a lot of it just from headlines. And during the pandemic, it was um, there were quite a few news articles that were written and features that were written about women that had been basically in lockdown with abusive spouses. Right. And I thought that was just um, what an uncomfortable situation um, to feel so trapped. And that's what I used sort of as the kind of a, a, an example is when I have my character, when she recounts on how she was repeatedly locked into the bathroom. That's just sort of a metaphor for um, women that are that are feeling that they're trapped or the women during the pandemic that mm-hmm. felt like they had no hope, no hope. Yep. They were just stuck. Yep. I remember thinking about that myself, about not only not only the women, but the children who were stuck yeah. at home having to live that or and whether they were being abused or not. That, that was such a bad time for everyone just because the stress levels were even heightened. So, you know, the abuser was probably way out of line as well. It was just a really difficult, difficult time for for everybody. Yes. Yes, it was. And, and, and on the flip side with that, I tried really hard to balance out that in the book with, with true moments of, of hope and love and carrying on. I did not want the whole book to be just a recounting of all the abuse that she went through. Um, I, I truly wanted to show how she was healing and moving on and what a remarkable and charming woman Um, she had become when she stripped out everything else that she had gone through and just tried to concentrate on her her essence and who she really was. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are parts that are funny and kind of real, and um, her relationship with her new guy is just, I think, sweet and precious. And that's what I tried to balance out the darkness with. But my editor did tell me that there were several times when she was editing that she had to put it down and walk away because it was not really stirring up feelings that she had because of anything she'd gone through, but just of the 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 power of of having something like that happen to someone. And I've also had several men that have read it and have told me that they really think it should be, in some respects, required reading for men because... Um, there's so many, there's so many little clues and so many little signals that a person that is suffering from PTSD can offer, even if they've never opened up and told you about anything they've ever gone through. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was an interesting take, also. 
That is very interesting. Uh, I was thinking of that earlier on when you were speaking about when you mentioned your your friend who was gunned down, how we have no idea. You know, we don't know what the clues are. Maybe people are really good at hiding it and you don't know Mm -hmm. who is suffering with what. And too bad that we don't so that we could lend an ear or a, a shoulder or some help in some way. And even just an understanding. Yes. Um, I think that so many times if somebody's been through something very traumatic, sometimes the only thing they want is some sort of a recognition and an understanding that what they're going through is different and that they have some some scars and some baggage. And I'm not even sure a lot of times they're looking for anybody to fix that or make them feel better. They just want to be seen mm-hmm. for what they are and what they've been through. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. What about your characters? They're clearly characters of their own. They're like living, breathing flesh people. Where do they come from? Did you plan ahead of time? Did you sit down and think, okay, I want her to be this, this, and this? Or did she tell you, no, Deb, this is what we're doing. This is this is how I'm taking this story. Yeah. Um, this This book was so interesting in the respect that I had a dream um, one night or whether I was taking a nap and maybe it was during a nap time. And it was this conversation between two people that I didn't know. And he was saying, well, if, if we're going to do this and she's like, do what? If we're going to do this boyfriend, girlfriend thing, then I need to get a new car. Now that is just the most random, <laughs> weird conversation that gets stuck in your head. <laughs> And it did. And I could see her and I could see him. I could see them talking. That damn conversation would not go away. So every time I would take a nap or I'd wake up in the morning, they'd been there. And now they were talking more and they had more of a story to tell me. And I, I really felt like this was the first time I was ever channeling something to write something. It, it, I'm a slow writer, and this went very quickly. And it took me completely off course because I was planning on writing the third book of my first series, Encore. In fact, I had about a third of it written, and that just got, <laughs> it went to dust on my computer as I was just pouring myself into the original wife. And the original wife, even the the title came to me in a weird way. I have a group of girls I have lunch with all the time. And we we had a conversation one day about saying, well, um, we were trying, somebody was trying to explain to me who somebody was, somebody I couldn't remember. And one of my girlfriends leaned in and she goes, I think that was so-and-so's original wife. Mm -hmm. And she went, that would be a good title of a book someday. That happened four years ago. (laughs) And so... As I started writing this, I went, oh, this is all coming together. This is the original wife. Because on all of your, on anything in the way of like uh, Social Security, they always ask who the original wife was. Because that's who gets, if they've been married for so long, they're the ones that get most of that Social Security if somebody dies. And I thought, oh, this is just perfect. So it was, um, I, I got a chuckle out of it. And the only way I could get these two people to stop talking while I was sleeping was to start writing about them. And then they shut up. 
which was awesome. (laughs) Don't you just marvel at that? Yes. It's amazing. It's just amazing that, and I wish that it would happen more often, because even though this was difficult to write because of the subject matter, it was the easiest thing I've ever written as far as putting it on paper and Mm -hmm. going from one point to another. Oh, I wonder if you could work on calling that up, you know, that if it happened once or before, it can surely happen again. You would think, (laughs) and I would hope. (laughs) I'm hoping that'll happen again. Well, let's put that out there. How's that? Uh, Yeah, good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So um, what about the cover? How did that come about? I have this wonderful Diane Stafford, who's in the U.K., and she um, created the cover for Opening Act and also the cover for Intermission. And I called her and and we talked and she gave me a couple of concepts, but this is what we came up with. And Lainey talks about it, her first marriage, when she married Dr. Greystone before he was a doctor, she was just a young thing. She was just barely 18 that she was in a a dress from the thrift store and he had brought her a rose or somebody had given her a rose, but the head was broken on the rose. And that always stuck with her that even the marriage even started off broken. Mm. And so Diane was very careful that on the cover, the rose that Lainey's holding in her hands, the head is broken. And the only other thing I said is I wanted it to have lots of blacks and blues because she was black and blue and bruised all over. I love covers and how they come about because it's almost as intense a process as writing the book, or it should be. Yes. And I'm so grateful to have her in my life because it's like she can reach into my head and see what I'm thinking. And I'm, I'm a very visual person. And I sometimes have pre- preconceived notions on how something should look, and she is able to bypass all of that and get me what I really wanted instead, oh, wow. which is just amazing. Isn't that so, I don't know, it's like synchronicity when, when everything lines up, yeah, and your person shows up to, to fulfill your whole, your dream for the book. It was... Um, it's always a pleasure working with her. Mm-hmm. And um, this year, hopefully, she'll be doing a couple more covers for me. And I am working on the sequ- on a sequel to The Original Wife um, because I don't think Lainey and Brock's story is through. And I, I really want to bring some more depth to it in probably not quite as uh, dark, dark a place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hoping that Diane will be able to help me capture that um, for the for the sequel also. And I have no title for the sequel. I, I, I even my girls at lunch aren't, uh, nobody's coming up with anything, <laughs> but it will come to me at some point. I'm just calling it TOTU, T-O-W-T-W-O. So TOTU is in place, but, uh, and is, is on its way. I've got about maybe a third of it written already. Oh my oh. gosh, go take a nap. Maybe it'll come to you. Exactly. Maybe it'll come to me. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's funny. Well, what about your publishing process? How are you publishing your books? 
Yeah, well, I use a hybrid publisher, which means it's not Vanity Press in the respect that they don't print everything. And they take care of a lot of the nuts and bolts for me at a very reasonable cost. And the copyright registration in the um, uh, Library of Congress, and they do formatting for me, and they make sure that it all looks good, and they make sure that my cover is sized so that the the title is lined up perfectly on the spine, and um, they're really easy to work with. And then they also they also do three e-versions, one that's a Mobi and one that's for Kindle and one that's for Nook. But before I get to that process, I I write very sporadically, and I think I, I mentioned this the last time we talked. I only write a, a, a bit at the first and maybe a little bit in the middle, and then I always go to the ending and I write the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that way, I can fill in the, the pieces in between. And that's my way of making sure that I get a book finished instead of just kind of spinning off into space and writing and writing and writing and writing and never resolving it or never really finishing it. So even though I may have a kind of a, an instinct of certain aspects that may be in the middle of the book, and certain things I need to cover, there is a little bit that I just let it flow in the middle. But I always know where I'm going, and that's kind of my that works for me. Mm-hmm. And then I go through ten or twelve different layers of editing on my own. I don't use betas. I use what I call first readers after my first edit, my first professional edit, mm-hmm. and they catch all sorts of little things for me. And then I have another edit. And then um, I have two or three people that will read through it again, and then I do have a proofreader. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm still trying to catch things. Uh, you know, you try your best to keep them. Um, you think you've you've got it all, and you get your copy back, your your author copy back from the publisher, and you open it up, and you go, "Oh my God, how did I miss that?" Yep. So. <laughs> It's so true. Um, You just do your best. I think, I don't think there's a perfect book out there. Yep. Yep. I I find that any book that I've ever written, I can't pick it up and read it and enjoy it as just a brand new reader. I have to read it with that critical eye. And I'm always, and you know, after the 10th time of reading, I'm thinking, wait, Pat, you've already read this. It's all, it's good. You could just read it, but no, there's always that critical eye that's looking for something. And (laughs) yeah. Well, and I also do a step that I don't know a lot of people do, but when I get my copy back from my, um, when I get the e-copy or or, or, uh, a PDF back from my publisher, I go through and do a little bit of a line check to make sure that I don't have any little white snakes moving down the middle of the the page. Um, Or I have, she said, lined up on top of each other two or three times in a row, um, things that I wouldn't have noticed in its original format before it was formatted for publishing. And so I also go through and try to fix some of those things and then pray to God that I'm not screwing up something else, something else or making a new mistake <laughs> yes. at the time. But so true. Um, I, I think then it gives a, it ends up with a product that at least on paper um, tends to read a little bit better. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, such a process, isn't it? I, I almost think that the uh, the publishing process could just be more grueling than the actual writing process. It really is. Yeah. Actually, the writing is the easiest. Yeah, <laughs> it's so true. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm glad I'm not the only one that struggles with that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All righty. So what's next? We know that you're working on two toe, toe two? Toe two. Toe two. Um, um, and and <laughs> Encore is still out there, right? Encore, I'm hoping to release um, this, this fall. Mm -hmm. um, it is the third in the trilogy of opening act and intermission, which I've been calling the Pirouettes and Promises series, mm -hmm. and um, it's going to be kind of fun. It brings back a little more of the glitz and glamour that was in the first book, um, so I'm enjoying that part of it. And um, at some point in time, I will probably continue that series, but from a next generation ah. standpoint, from Izzy's daughter's mm -hmm. standpoint, growing up in a household of two very rich and famous parents and trying to find her own way without using their influence, which I think is kind of a common saying. Right. Um, but I, I do think I can put some twists on that. And then I'm also working on another series that I call my Cassie series um, that is all going to be basically crime. And it will have love kind of, it will have, there's always got to be a strong woman. There's always got to be a love story, but it will not be the focus of the the series. And I have six of those planned and a couple of them outlined and two of them started. So I, I actually um, laid out kind of a schedule for the next 10 years and said a quick prayer that I would <laughs> live long enough to make sure that I could at least get part of them done. <laughs> I love that. I love that. It's a 10 year plan. A 10-year plan. Yep. It's better than not having a plan, so I, I commend you for that. That's awesome. So My head just jumps around, and I've got all these stories, and I find that I'm most productive with writing. If I get a little bit stuck in one and I don't know where to go, I just close it up and go to one of my other ones and work on it for a while, mm -hmm. and that just opens up the floodgates then. Yep. So I always have to have those future projects out there in order to keep my brain kind of fresh. Um, but I will say during the original wife that I ended up twice calling Lainey Izzy from my first, <laughs> from my first series. And thank God I had first readers that went, did you, did you really mean that? <laughs> Who's Izzy? Why did she show up? <laughs> exactly. I thought she was in another series. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. That's so good. That just shows you how involved you are with your characters or they are with you. <laughs> yes. And then I could read over the same thing a hundred times and never see it Don't on my own. Yes. <laughs> I love that. It's so good. Very, very honest. All right, my friend. I want to make sure as we begin to wrap up that we're not missing anything that you wanted to bring up today. You know, I can't, I can't think of anything. Okay. Um, I really enjoyed writing The Original Wife, and I really enjoyed these characters. And I'm really looking forward to having, uh, in writing the, the, the sequel to this, so that we can explore a little bit more of their relationship without this heavy mm -hmm. cloud of, of doom hanging over their heads. Right. 
um, allowing them to really be who they really are. Because when they, when they first meet, the cloud's already there. It just hasn't quite descended all the way yet. Mm-hmm. So they never really knew each other as people that were in a, in a normal life. They only knew each other as two people that were coping with unbelievable circumstances mm-hmm. surrounding them. Mm-hmm. So I'm really looking forward to being able to explore a more normal relationship with them oh. and the ups and downs of that, which I think will be really fun. That will be fun. That'd be fun for you. Just a little bit of a relief. And there is a twist in there. So, um, because, you know, you can't have a serial killer in your first book and not have a copycat in the second. <laughs> so that that's just, you know, unfortunately, if you're writing, you just have to put these poor characters through absolute pain and agony. Otherwise, nobody wants to read the book. So... <laughs> Well, you are clearly a master at this. You know what you're doing. You do such a wonderful and beautiful job. I'm so pleased and proud that you've shared your books with us. Why don't we share all of you with our listeners as well? Any contact information where they could find out more about you, get copies of your books, wherever you want to send us. Okay. Um, first of all, I do have, um, I finally have a webpage. Yay. Um, DebraWynnAuthor.com. So easy to remember. There is a contact in there that people can contact me. And I'm also on Twitter um, at Deb Wynn, And I'm on Facebook, Deborah Wynn Author. And I won't even give you my TikTok because I haven't done anything with it. But everybody told me I had to be on TikTok. So I made the first step, and but nothing else yet. <laughs> okay. You need to create a viral video, then you can send us there. How's that? Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Until then, there's nothing to look at, so don't go and look for anything yet. (laughs) All right, we will stick with Deborah Wynn. It's DebraWynnAuthor.com? Yes. Okay. Yes. DebraWynnAuthor.com. The book we're speaking about today is titled The Original Wife. Deb, you're so wonderful to speak with. Thank you so much for sharing you, your work today, and I look forward to the next books and to talking with you again. Oh, thank you so much. I always really enjoy visiting with you. And it, it, your your organization is it's so remarkable. And I, I just hope that in the years that come, I can continue to help support you because you guys are wonderful supporting not only your cause, but authors too. And that's, that's really deeply personal and wonderful to me. Thank you so much.